to episode number four of What Next, a storytelling podcast where you, the listener, get a say in what happens next in the story. My name is Jake Stoll, author of the novel The Gauntlet. I want to thank all of you for listening. In this podcast, I write and read out chapters for a fiction story. At the end of each chapter, I present a choice to the listeners. And for just a couple days, you have the opportunity to vote on what will happen next in the story. If you haven't listened to the first three episodes yet, I strongly recommend you start with the first one, since you'll be pretty lost otherwise. As you may recall, at the end of the third episode, I asked you which member of Ariana's party would get to wear the magic ring that Bram found. Let's see what happens next. Chapter 4 Ariana stance grimaces. Her feet hurt, probably covered in blisters after all the days walking and running. She knows she should feel tired, but she has passed the point of feeling tired. Her eyes hurt when they're open, but they hurt worse if she blinks. Earlier that day, she fought off witches and undead. What's more, she had a few confusing moments with Bram, causing her to wonder all day about his feelings for her. Ariana had been sweating, fighting, and ruminating all day. She was exhausted. However, her party had chosen to walk a few miles further in efforts to put the haunted forest, graveyard, and witch's hut behind them. It just hadn't felt safe to stay there. All Ariana can do now is wonder about when they will stop to make camp and try to decide which blistered foot hurts worse so she can pick one to limp. Jalencia walks ahead of the party, showing quite a bit of stamina for an elderly man. The red-robed, white-bearded wizard looks to and fro vigilantly, as though expecting another undead skeleton attack. Behind Jalencia is Galfons whose long legs enable him to move faster than the rest of the party with less frequent steps. The brawny man uses his battle axe like a walking stick, but he determinedly presses forward. Ariana walks behind Galfons, with her foxhound Jax keeping stride beside her. She worries about her dog, because if she is feeling this tired, she knows Jax must be tired too. So far though, Jax has kept up with the rest of the group with no complaints. Ariana makes a mental reminder to check the pads of his feet when they break for camp. Bringing up the rear is Bram, the chosen wielder of a magic sword, who spent the previous day holding Ariana's hand in the forest. Ariana knows they were holding hands because they were only trying not to lose each other in the witch's dense fog, but she felt something earlier. She is certain Bram felt it too. Right now, however, Bram's mind does not appear to be on Ariana, because he is staring raptly at the silver ring around the middle finger of his left hand. After Bram found the ring, and the sepulchre that held the graveyard's monster portal, Jalencio told the group that the ring might have been one of the seven ancient rings of protection. So long as someone wore the ring, no magic could affect them. The group hotly debated who would wear the ring, but in the end, they had all consented that Bram was the center of their quest. Bram is the only one who can close monster portals, and if he succumbed to a deadly spell, their quest would be in vain. Bram made a half-hearted attempt to deny the ring by telling the party that his sword was able to cut through the witch's spells earlier, but Jalencio insisted that they take no risks with Bram's safety. Just before they left the graveyard, Bram asked Jalencio to put a spell on him, test the ring. Jalencio tried to cast a spell of levitation, which causes people to lose their connection to the world's gravity, but Bram remained firmly planted on the ground. Galfons had suggested that Jalencio's spell could be to blame, but the next moment, Galfons was floating in the air, unable to move freely or grab hold of anything. Once the matter of the ring was sorted out, all thoughts went to Elliot Hill. 
a so-called lumberjack who was able to use some magic, saved their lives on Mount Massive. He disappeared sometime during the battle in the graveyard, and none of the party saw where he went. They quickly decided to leave the graveyard in the woods behind, but Ariana couldn't help but second-guess this plan. It felt wrong to leave someone behind, even someone they met only recently. Elliot was an enigma to Ariana. For the entire time he traveled with their party, he only spoke when spoken to. At night, he would sleep as far away from the rest of the group as possible. He would quickly become rude when asked about his past, particularly if his occupation as a lumberjack was brought into question. The question Ariana wanted answered the most, however, was how he learned to use magic. But Elliot disappeared before Ariana could ever get a straight answer out of him. Now, as the party trudges along a clean road, the full moon offers plenty of light. Ariana sees something glinting on the horizon. It's the same off-white color as the moon, but brighter. She's never seen anything quite like it. What's that ahead? she asks. Gilencio answers, That, my dear, is the ocean. We've arrived at Losalia's western shore. We shouldn't be more than seven miles away now. Seven miles? Galphonse asks. Gilencio, that's too far, Ariana says. We need to make camp and rest. Of course we do. Jalencio replies, I was just saying that we are less than a day away from Vestuli's tower. I think we are far enough away from the forest to make camp. Galphons grunts. Finally, I'll look for a spot. Within minutes, the party has selected a bare patch of earth and slumped into their sleeping mats. Bram offers to take the first watch. Despite the dangers from earlier in the day, Ariana, Galphons, and Jalencio fall asleep immediately. <laughs> Sometime later, Ariana wakes with a start. In her dream, they had been surrounded by wolves. She was startled awake when the encircling wolves howled around them. Ariana rolls over and looks at the full moon. Briefly, she wonders where such a strange dream could have come from. She gets her answer a moment later when she hears a howl. This time, she knows it's real. She looks at Bram, whose watch is not over yet, to see him fast asleep, his naked sword laid on the ground beside him. Ariana considers waking him, then she considers simply taking over the second watch. Her drowsiness begins to win out, however, because she starts to think that having a watch tonight is probably unnecessary. The howling wolf sounded far away, and she is fairly certain that they have little to fear from the wolves, since they are in a group of four. Ariana lays her head down once more, but as soon as her head comes to rest on the rolled-up jacket she uses as a pillow, there is another howl. This time... Ariana is sure that the howling is getting closer. She sits up, feeling the now familiar sense of dread. Ariana finagles her bow out of her pack and strings it. She figures that there is probably no sense in waking the party, so she has decided that she should at least take over the watch. Ariana straps her quiver to her own waist and waits patiently, listening for any more howling or nearby sounds. Their camp is not in an ideally defensible place. They camped on a small, grassy hill set amongst other small grassy hills. There is little cover between the forest behind them and the town in front of them, so they had to make do. The bright full moon illuminates parts of nearby hills and gives her an excellent view of the road, though there is much she cannot see. Minutes tick by slowly as Ariana scans the hills for any movement. Several times, Ariana could swear that she saw movement out of the corner of her eye, but she figures she's just jumping at shadows. The next howl is sudden, unexpected, and very close. Ariana knocks an arrow to her bowstring and stands, 
scanning in the direction of the howl. She sees nothing, but the proximity of the howl frightens her. Ariana feels something brush her leg and jumps back in surprise, only to realize that her dog Jax was also awoken by the howling. Jax sniffs the ground in the air before barking in the direction of the howl. Jax barks two or more times before Ariana shushes him. The other members of her party either groan in their sleep or roll over, but Bram wakes up. Seemingly surprised that he fell asleep during this watch, Bram snaps to attention and pretends to scan the horizon. Ariana smirks at his bad acting, and Bram looks at her ashamed. How long was I out? he asks. Not long, Ariana lies. Did you hear the howling? What howling? I've heard it a few times now, Ariana explains. I think there is a wolf, or maybe an entire pack nearby. Maybe we should build a fire, Bram offers. I've heard wolves are afraid of fire. Should we wake Jalencio so he can make one with magic? No, no, just let me get my flint. As Bram starts to rummage around in his pack, Jax barks again. Then he growls, baring his teeth at something behind Bram. Ariana squints her eyes, but the side of the hill is too dark to see anything. She puts a hand on Jax, but this time she doesn't shush him. Jax barks again. Bram stops rummaging in his pack and picks up his sword. Is someone there? Ariana challenges. There is no answer for several moments. Then, a pair of glowing yellow eyes appear in the darkness. Jax whimpers and backs up to stand beside Ariana. Bram stands, his magic sword held in front of him. Shoot it, he says. Ariana, having already encountered too many monsters on this quest, doesn't hesitate. She lets the arrow fly. It zooms into the darkness, and, when it should have struck right between the yellow eyes, they hear a metallic-sounding ping. The yellow eyes do not flinch. Ariana draws another arrow, feeling perplexed and frightened. Bram backs toward Galphonse and kicks him. The brawny man grumbles something inaudible and rolls over. Bram kicks him again, this time putting some weight behind his kick. Galphonse sits up immediately and curses Bram for waking him so late. Nevertheless, Galphonse rises when Bram tells him there is a monster nearby. Bram points to the yellow eyes, but they are no longer there. Turning side to side frantically, Ariana edges toward Jalencio and shakes him with one hand to wake him. Like Bram earlier, the wizard pretends to have been awake the entire time. As Jalencio lifts his magic tome, the eyes again appear. Ariana sees the eyes a moment before the beast steps into the light of the full moon. At first, Ariana sees a wolf. Its face, fur, and front paws resemble a large wolf, but she quickly realizes that there is something off about this creature, something about the way its back arches, or the way its front legs are longer than its back legs. In a way, the thing resembles a man squatting down and leaning forward, with his arms stabilizing him on the ground. But it's certainly not a man. The wolfish beast has thick, silver-gray fur, sharp claws, and a serious set of fangs. Ariana backs away, and Jolencio hurries to his feet. The wizard hastily shoves his blanket off himself and picks up his magical tome. Jolencio tries to tell Ariana something, but he stammers. What is it? Ariana asks. Jolencio is still unable to form words, so the answer comes from Bram. Gods, it's a werewolf! The werewolf pads softly on the grass, circling their camp. Nonsense, Galfon says. That's a fairy tale. Really? Ariana asks. We talked with a demon-possessed snowman, and you're questioning the existence of werewolves? Alphonse grunts and hefts his axe. Jalencio, do you know of any way to get rid of a werewolf? Ariana asks. The wizard seems to finally find the words. 
we we need to get away from here, he says. Can't we chase it off or something? Don't be a fool, Jalencio says through chattering teeth. Werewolves fear nothing. They can only be hurt by silver. So what do we do? Ariana asks. There's nothing we can do, Jalencio says. Oh, shut up, you old coward, Galfons growls as he stands tall and approaches the werewolf, his battle axe held high above his head. Get back, you ugly dog. The werewolf looks at him curiously for a second and then stands on its hind legs. It stands over seven feet tall. Tilting its head back, the werewolf howls at the moon. Ariana flinches. The Galfons rushes the werewolf. It lurches at the brawny man with incredible speed and clamps its jaws around Galfons' axe handle. Galfons struggles against the werewolf for a moment, but he is quickly wrestled to the ground. He is just able to keep the handle of the axe between him and the werewolf's gnashing fangs. Ariana shoots an arrow, which breaks in half as it harmlessly bounces off the werewolf's fur. Bram rushes in, his sword raised. The wolf wrenches Galfons' axe out of his grip and tosses the weapon to the side. Bram slashes at the monster's side, but the tip of his sword just grazes its fur. Still, the tip is enough to sear a thin burn mark into the werewolf's fur. The wolf recoils, giving Galfons enough space to roll away and crawl for his axe. Bram points his sword at the werewolf, keeping the sharp point between him and the monster. The wolf eyes him for a moment, as though weighing the risks of fighting a man with a weapon that actually possesses a threat to it. Bram and the werewolf stare at each other, as Ariana ponders whether there is any point in shooting another arrow. She thinks that maybe she could hurt its eyes, but before she is able to get a bead on one of the eyes, a fireball hurtles from behind her at the monster. Ariana turns, hoping to see that Elliot Hill has returned in spectacular fashion, but it's only Jalencio, fumbling over an incantation from his tome. The little ball of flame hits the werewolf, sizzles on its back for a moment, and goes out, leaving the fur completely unmarked. Ariana runs up to Jalencio and says, What was that? You're a wizard. Can't you think of something better than that? Jalencio looks at Ariana, the fear evident in his eyes. It's no use. Bram's sword can hurt the werewolf, but we can't defeat it without silver. There's no hope. Ariana slaps the wizard across the bearded chin. Snap out of it, she says. There has to be something we can do. Behind her, the werewolf and Bram circle each other, neither willing to make the first risky move. Can't you turn the werewolf into a frog or something? Don't be ridiculous, Jalencio mutters as he flips through the pages of his tome. He sticks out his tongue as he turns the pages in a frenzy, a look of thoughtfulness on his face. Bram swings at the werewolf's chin, but the monster leans back and swipes at him. The long foreleg reaches Bram, and the claws rake his shoulder. The blow sends him spinning backward, and the sword flies from his grasp. In a moment, the werewolf is on top of him, its jaws open. Galfons rushes the monster and pounds the back of its head with his heavy axe. The werewolf barely recoils from the blow, but it turns away from Bram to attack Galfons. Come on, Ariana says. Think of something. Aha! Jalencio shouts. Here's something. Ariana, give me one of your arrows. She obliges, as Jax does his best to bite into the werewolf's back right leg. The werewolf shakes the dog off and then swipes a claw at Galfons. He parries with his axe handle, but slides back five feet from the impact. Jalencio tosses Ariana's arrow into the air and starts chanting. The arrow levitates in front of the wizard's face, bouncing in time to his chanting. Ariana watches helplessly as Bram is again knocked aside by the werewolf's powerful claws. A moment later, Jalencio exclaims, Quick, take it! Ariana pulls the floating arrow out of the air and looks at it. Nothing seems to be different about the arrow, until the moonlight catches the arrowhead. It glints and shines brilliantly, 
and Ariana realizes that the stone arrowhead has been replaced with silver. Knowing what she has to do, Ariana knocks the arrow and tries to aim at the werewolf. However, between Galfons, Bram, and Jax, all attacking the monster from different sides, she is unable to get a clear shot. Ariana tosses Jalencio another arrow and tells him to make another one, and then she cautiously approaches the fray. Jax leaps for the werewolf's neck, but at the last moment the wolf seizes him in its jaws and violently tosses the dog to the side. Jax flies out of the werewolf's mouth and collides with his master. Ariana loses balance and drops the silver arrow in the grass. Frantically, she pushes the dog off her and roots around for the arrow. Galfons attacks the werewolf next, but the monster is ready for him. It snaps its powerful jaws on the axe's wooden handle. The handle snaps in half like a toothpick, and the werewolf pounces on Galfons again. Ariana has heard stories about the bite of the werewolf. She knows that one bite can curse a person to a lifetime of being a monster. The moment a person is bitten, their life is effectively over. And that is only if the werewolf decides not to feast on their heart. Bram rushes in with his magic sword as Ariana finally grasps the silver arrow. But they are both too late. The werewolf bites down hard on Galfons's shoulder, and then it moves for his neck. Thankfully for Galfons, the second bite never happens. Bram slices the werewolf with his magic sword, which burns a cut into its fur, from the shoulder to the elbow of its right foreleg. The werewolf howls in pain, and Bram raises his sword for another strike. But the monster bolts, turning away and disappearing into the night in a second. Ariana's bow is drawn, the silver arrow ready, but she was too late. The werewolf is gone, a second before Ariana could have defeated it with her silver arrow. From the ground, Galfons moans in pain. He holds his shoulder, which is bleeding from several puncture wounds. Ariana, Bram, and Jalencio rush over to their companion. Bram holds his hands over the wounds, trying to stop the bleeding. Ariana wraps a crude bandage around Galfons's shoulder as Jalencio chants a pain-killing spell. Within a minute, Galfons passes out. Isn't there something in that book that can cure a werewolf bite? Bram asks. Jalencio shakes his head, his eyes downcast. Nothing I know of can cure the werewolf's curse. What about that other wizard? Ariana asks. Bastuli, the one we have been traveling to see. Jalencio scratches his beard for a moment, thinking. If anyone knows how to reverse the effects of a werewolf's curse, it would be him. But I fear his magic might incur a steep cost. Bram stands. It doesn't matter the cost. I will not allow my friend to live the rest of his life as a monster. Ariana staggers backward as realization floods through her. The full moon is out. Will he turn tonight? She draws her silver arrow once more. Bram stands and backs away from Galfons. Jalencio puts a soothing hand on her shoulder. No, my dear. The curse will not take effect until the next full moon. Ariana and Bram breathe sighs of relief. Should we continue onward tonight? Bram asks. The werewolf could return at any time. Jalencio shakes his head. Traveling with an injured man in the darkness would be too risky. The werewolf could lie in ambush and catch us off guard. We should wait out the night here. The beast will hesitate before attacking again. It knows that our weapons can hurt it. Will Galfons be alright? I'll keep watch over him. As long as he has not lost too much blood, we should be able to move him into town tomorrow. Bram and Ariana agree, though Ariana can tell that Bram is frustrated that he cannot do more for his friend. After dragging Galfons closer to the fire, the party takes up defensive positions. Jalencio sits beside Galfons, periodically chanting a spell to either keep him asleep or alleviate some pain. Bram and Ariana sit back to back, 
her silver arrow at the ready, and Bram's sword drawn. After a while, Ariana asks Jalencio if he can make her another silver arrow. He never did finish making a second one earlier. The wizard consents, and as the night wears on, he is able to form two more silver arrows in between his medical spells for Galfons. Ariana and Bram tell each other stories to stay awake and keep the morale up. Jax lays beside Ariana, watching vigilantly for a time, until the dog indulges in some much-needed sleep. The next morning, the party strikes camp, each one of them feeling groggy and fatigued. They are able to fashion a sled out of Ariana's pack and some of Galfon's clothing. After this, they set off along the road, Bram and Ariana carrying Galfon's between them. When they need a break, Jalencio casts a levitating spell on Galfon's so that he floats between them. Unfortunately for Bram and Ariana, however, Jalencio explains that he is only able to make something as big as Galfon's levitate for a few minutes at a time. Though they trade duties this way, Ariana is exhausted before the first mile is over. The party breaks for a quick meal, but they do not tarry long. Jalencio's spells may have stopped Galfon's bleeding and killed most of his pain, but they all know that the man needs a real healer. Galfon's has been asleep all day, but they've checked his pulse frequently to verify he is alive. As they struggle with Galfon's weight, they discuss their plan, to rent a couple rooms at the first inn they see in Pink Beach, where they can lay Galfon's comfortably in a bed. Then, they will ask around town for a healer. In the meantime, however, Ariana worries that it will take them days to cross the remaining six miles to Pink Beach. Their progress continues to be slow, and they are all exhausted. After another half mile, the party lays Galfon's sled down. They all sit, breathing heavily. The weather is mild, but humid. It's a familiar feeling to Ariana, who is used to southern Losalia's humidity. However, she is still not accustomed to the feelings of fear and desperation that seems to accompany an adventure. Try as they might, the day is dragging on, and they have made little progress in reaching Pink Beach. Ariana gives her dog some water and rubs her sore legs. Ariana is about to ask Jalencio to look for a spell that can at least transport Galfons to Pink Beach safely when she spies a wooden wagon down the road. Ariana stands in the middle of the road and waves her arms to flag it down. The wagon is wide, and the back is laden with carrots, corn, and other produce. The driver's bench is occupied by a single man who drives two mules. The wagon creaks to a stop when it reaches Ariana, and the driver calls down in a familiar voice. Well, what seems to be the problem here, ma'am? Ariana beams when she hears the voice. Elliot, is that you? The man climbs down from the wagon's driver's seat and walks to Ariana who shouts with delight when she sees him. Sure enough, it is the bushy-bearded, thick-set, magical lumberjack Elliot Hill. Where did you go? Ariana asks. How did you get out of the forest? Where have you been? Calm down now, Elliot responds. Why don't you all climb in the wagon and we can swap stories on the way to town? Bram and Jalencio approach Elliot and greet him. Bram's greeting is much warmer than Jalencio's, making it clear that the wizard still does not trust him. When Elliot sees Galfons, he is shocked and concerned. He immediately agrees to bring the party to town and help them locate a healer once they reached it. Jalencio casts his levitating spell one more time, and Galfons floats into the waiting arms of Elliot and Bram, who lay him down gently among the produce. Ariana takes the shotgun seat next to Elliot, and, as the lumberjack drives the wagon down the road, she demands to hear what happened to him after the battle with the undead in the graveyard. Well, he begins, I don't remember much about how I got out of the forest, but I do know that it took me most of the night. The next thing I knew, I was waking up in some barn out in the boonies. When the farmer found me there, I explained to him who I was and how I had become separated from my companions. 
show me a great kindness, feeding me a hearty meal, and offering to let me borrow this here wagon to catch up with y'all. Why didn't he drive you in the wagon himself? Ariana asks. He said something about a late harvest and told me he would meet me in Pink Beach later tonight. He told me I was doing him a favor, driving this slow thing into town for him, because he could spend some extra time tending to his livestock before riding to town to sell the veggies in the wagon. Ariana thinks the agreement sounds strange to her, but she is just glad to have Elliot back. She asks, Have you changed your mind? About what? About traveling with us, helping us on our quest. I haven't much thought about it, Elliot says, sighing. Last night showed me that what y'all are doing is important, but between that damn mountain and that cursed forest, I think I've had my fill of madness for a lifetime. Ariana nods and looks down the road, as the rest of the ride passes in relative silence. She hears the clip-clopping of the mule's hooves and the creaking of the wagon wheels. Before long, Ariana is wakened by Elliot's voice, saying, Pink Beach, we finally made it. Ariana sits up and looks at the town. She is surprised by what she sees. Amidst the short, humbly yet appealingly built buildings are rows upon rows of armed individuals. As Ariana takes the scene in, she realizes that a massive host has gathered at Pink Beach. Each man or woman is wearing armor. Some wear full plate armor complete with visored helms. Others wear mostly chainmail. The latter are typically wearing or carrying pot helms as well. All are armed with standard military weaponry. Halberds, longbows, broadswords, shields, even steel lances. Just outside of town, pavilions have been erected. Between these great tents, people hurry to and fro, wearing either fine clothing or gilded armor. Above the greatest of the pavilions flies a standard. One Ariane and her party know well. The banner of the Losalian royal house. The same standard flies here and there throughout the town, borne on long spears by standard bearers. Behind Ariana, in the wagon, she hears Bram comment. I don't suppose the Losalian army is here for surf lessons. Bram doesn't receive an answer. Before the wagon enters the town proper, it is stopped by two armored and armed men, each carrying a six-foot halberd. What is your business here? asks the guard on the right. From the bed of the wagon, Jalencio speaks. We have an injured man in here. He has been bitten by a wolf, and he desperately needs a healer. My companions and I will require lodging while he is tended to. The guard steps onto one of the wagon wheels and peers inside the bed of the wagon. You're a strange-looking lot, he says. My condolences for your friend. Finding a healer should be a cinch, but finding lodging could prove troublesome, what with this little occupation. Why is the army here? Bram asks. The guard throws him a sharp look. That's none of your business, civilian. A bet question might be, why hasn't a strong young lad such as yourself enlisted with the king's army? Bram glares at the guard, but before either man speaks again, Jalencio says, Please pardon my young friend. He speaks rashly. The guard looks at Bram as he says, You may enter, but keep your boy in hand. Jalencio thanks the guard, and Elliot drives the wagon into town. Finding the inn is easy, but getting to it proves more difficult. The road is completely congested with armed people, as well as several townsfolk. Eventually, they reach the inn. It takes far longer than it should to flag down a stable boy, who reluctantly helps Elliot unhitch the mules and takes them into the inn's stable to be fed and watered. They leave the wagon parked near the stable, and Ariana and Bram wait with Galfons as Elliot and Jalencio enter the inn to procure rooms. Bram and Ariana pass the time in the wagon by asking passerby if they know where they can find a healer for their friend. The crowd is moving too quickly, however, and the only useful thing they learn is that the army has an infirmary in one of their pavilions. 
Elliot and Julencio return after half an hour, with Julencio looking tired but pleased. Julencio says, The inn is entirely filled with soldiers, and there are no rooms available. The innkeeper told us that the same can be said of the other three inns in town. However, as we were leaving, an officer told us he heard that we had an injured man in our party. He offered his room for the next few nights, saying he could find a place in the pavilions. Ariana smiles, and silently reminds herself to buy the officer around the first chance she got. The party carefully takes Galfons, who is now just barely lucid, out of the wagon. Graham, Elliot, and Ariana carry him into the inn as Julencio loudly shouts for people to make way for the injured man. The officer greets them inside, and introduces himself as Captain Gregory Green. He is a fairly short man, a couple inches shorter than Bram. His legs and torso are armored in light steel plates, but his hands and head are bare. A pair of gauntlets hang from his waist, and he carries his steel helm under one arm. The captain's hair is a shocking red. Captain Green himself shows the party to his room, where they lie Galfons on the bed. Minutes later, a healer, along with two apprentices, arrive at the room. They promptly ask the party to leave as they tend to Galfons. Captain Green explains that he sent a squire to fetch the best healer from the infirmary when he heard about Galfons's condition. Ariana notes that nobody has mentioned the cause of his vicious wound, and she takes the hint that Julencio probably wants to avoid causing a panic by mentioning that there is a werewolf loose nearby. The party elects to wait downstairs, where Captain Green flexes his rank at a group of foot soldiers drinking in a booth. The soldiers dutifully give up their seats, but not without several looks of disdain at Ariana and her companions. Sir Captain, Ariana says respectfully, you must allow my companions and me to buy you dinner for your compassion. Captain Green smiles kindly. I thank you, my lady, but I think nothing of it. As for Sir Captain, you may call me Gregory. I'm certainly not a sir as I have received no knighthood, and I am certainly not your captain. Ariana flushes as she feels embarrassed at her own lack of culture. Forgive me, er, Gregory. The captain waves Ariana's apology away with a hand and says, Now then, what were you saying about that dinner? An hour later, the party reclines in their booth, sipping frothy ale from tall mugs. Captain, Bram says, what is the army doing in Pink Beach? Has war begun? Gregory, son, call me Gregory. And no, there is no war on. At least, not yet. Captain Green pauses and looks over his shoulder. Then, he leans over the table and talks in a quiet voice. It's pretty obvious to me that none of you are from Olave, but I'll tell you what's going on. Olave? Ariana interrupts, as in, the island across the sea? Graham shushes her, and Captain Green continues. Yes, the chain of islands to the west. They've been Losalia's peaceful allies for a hundred years. Something must have spooked the king a few months ago, because he assembled his knights and the standing army and marched us west. Is the king here? Jalencio asks. No, I don't believe he marched with us, Captain Green says. Our general is the king's youngest daughter, Princess Castine. Elliot scoffs. King Matthew isn't exactly picking the fiercest fighters, is he? Captain Green stands and slams his mug of ale on the table. I will not allow you to insult her highness. He pushes his way out of the booth and says, you may keep the room. Good night to you all. May you choose better companions in future days. Elliot rolls his eyes. That didn't take very long. That was very rude of you, Jalencio says. Why would you say that? Bram asks. You insulted the captain. He could have been a great ally for us. It is Elliot's turn to stand. He exits the booth, saying, Come on, I was just speaking the obvious. Who could trust a pampered princess to lead an army? War is the business of men, not pampered ladies. Ariana stands and glares at Elliot. 
Oh, yeah? And what about hunting monsters? That the business of men, too? Elliot snorts. I told y'all I'd accompany you this far, and I have. Pink Beach is as far as I go. Y'all have a good time meeting with that wizard. You know, he says, looking at Jalencio. The better wizard. Jalencio's face flushes an angry red, but before he can shout an insult at Elliot, the magical lumberjack has stormed out of the inn. Bloody scoundrel, Bram says. Good riddance. Ariana sips her ale, saying nothing. She, Jalencio, and Bram sit in silence for a time, watching the lively patrons of the inn eat, drink, dance, and sing the night away. Eventually, Bram speaks. We should decide our next move, Jalencio says. Our path is clear. Tomorrow the three of us should walk to Vestuli's tower. It's only about a mile away. You must have seen it when we approached the town. The tower sits on a sheer cliff overlooking the sea. Some say Vestuli has a lens that allows him to see all the way to Oave's nearest island. He is our best chance of curing Galfons completely, and he can teach us more about the monster portals. I want to find a way to help Galfons too, Bram says, but I think we should give the princess's healers a chance to cure him. Captain Green said the healer with him right now is the best in the army. I think we should wait to see Vestuli and do something else first. The Losalian army's occupation of Pink Beach could be an opportunity. I think we should request an audience with Princess Castine and inform her of our quest. Just think of the possibilities if she decided to help us. We would never need to worry about having enough gold or enough fighters again. We need a powerful ally if we ever hope to close all the monster portals. Reasoning with royalty is a fool's errand, says Jalencio. They know nothing of the world. Vestuli is an accomplished wizard who knows much. We need his wisdom right now. Bram shrugs. I still think we should at least try the princess. Ariana, what do you think? Jalencio and Bram look at Ariana, whose head is slumped back against her seat. Her loyal foxhound Jax is curled up on her lap. Both are fast asleep. That's all for this week. Thank you to Chris Delaney for the theme music and Kelly Stoll for the editing. And of course, I want to thank all of you listeners who submitted votes. The voting for this episode was the closest we've had. Jalencio brought up the rear with 7% of the votes. Galfons came in third with 15%. Ariana got 30%. And Bram won out with 46% of your votes. This week, the choice is between who the party will speak with first, the powerful wizard Vestuli, or the Army General Princess Castine. If you want to submit a vote for the next episode, send an email to whatnextpod at gmail.com. That's W-H-A-T-N-E-X-T-P-O-D at gmail.com. Or leave a comment on our Instagram post at whatnextpodcast. Voting will close Wednesday, October 3rd at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, so don't hesitate to submit your vote. If you'd like to leave a review, Apple Podcasts is the best place. Thanks again for listening. And I look forward to seeing what you want to happen next.